Thank you for listening to the Yahoo Finance Podcast. I'm Alexis Christophorus, and I'm here today with Rick Newman. So, Rick, we know what the GOP tax cuts will look like generally, but you say there's one big problem. They would hurt some Americans, and you say they're already unpopular. So just who would they hurt? Yeah, we're finally seeing uh, the outline of what final legislation is likely, likely to look like. Uh, we could get a final bill here by the end of 2017 or the beginning of 2018. So there will be some changes before then, but we're seeing we're getting pretty close to what a final bill is actually going to look like. And there will be big changes for a lot of people. Um, there has been some thorough analysis of who would benefit um, and by how much and who would uh, might be harmed and by how much. So um, for some individual taxpayers, uh, they would actually see lower taxes once the bill goes into effect. Um, for middle income families, not a huge savings, perhaps around $500 for a median income family. Uh, the savings get higher as you go higher up the uh, the income chain, simply because those people pay more taxes. But we've also seen that there will be some people who actually get a tax increase out of this bill. And uh, the Republicans in the House and the Senate are sort of acting like it's no big deal. In general, we think everybody's going to be better off. But we acknowledge there have to be a few losers, but they're not saying much about this. However, when you put it together, it looks like there could be 11 million taxpayers whose tax bill will actually go up that's once, nothing to once this legislation goes into effect. And that's a big number. Um, so when you think about maybe a f- it might be a few rich people here and there will get who will get less of a mortgage interest reduction or something like that, that's not really the case. There will be a fair number of people. It'll be a very small percentage of everybody, but it'll be a, sound like a fairly large number of people who are going to say, wait a minute, this isn't a tax cut, it's a tax hike. And I think that is a potential political problem come uh, the 2018 November midterm elections, but also for sure the 2020 uh, presidential elections. What is it about the bill in its current form that would make taxes go up for those 11 million people? Well, there are two different sets of legislation here. One is the uh, bill that the House has actually passed. So the House has finished its bill and voted voted it in favor of it. So that has passed. The Senate uh, hasn't gotten that far yet, so they're still drafting legislation, going through some revisions. But um, a couple of big things that would affect people here, um, perhaps the biggest on the individual side, is what would either be the reduction or the elimination of the state and local tax deduction. Uh, the House bill uh, puts a limit on the amount of state and local taxes that people can deduct. It's a $10,000 limit, and it only applies to property taxes. It does not apply to state and local income taxes, which people can deduct now. And the Senate would completely eliminate the state and local tax deduction. Um, now, Republicans say that's all okay because we're making other changes that will leave most people better off. Uh, but I can tell you, I tested my, I put myself out as a guinea pig. I looked at my 2016 tax return uh, and just estimated my tax payment under the new rules. I would save $5,000 under the House plan, but I would lose $1,600 under the Senate plan. Hmm. And I've been hearing from uh, some people out there who've been reading these stories and starting to do similar calculations. And, you know, some people have been writing in and saying, um, I'm not liking this because I think uh, I think I'll end up worse off. Um, in fact, I just uh, wrote recently about one woman who calculated her mom's tax bill. Her mom is 95 years old, lives on fixed income in Rhode Island. Uh, she does claim the state and local tax deduction, and that helps lower her taxable income by a considerable amount. 
Uh, and the woman I interviewed, who is a retired economics professor, so she knows how to do math, mm-hmm. um, she estimates her mom will pay uh, $600 to $800 more hmm. under uh, the Republican plans. Um, uh, that's a and that's example. for some. That's for somebody whose total income is just a little bit more than thirty thousand dollars. So wow. that's a problem. They, they have a, a public perception problem for sure because the latest polls show that more Americans oppose the tax cuts than favor them by a double-digit margin. Right. But um, you still think it's going to get passed? I do. I, I think the I think the Republicans just simply have to find a way to get this passed um, because they need they need to be able to say they accomplished something. Is this the cornerstone of the Trump administration? Is it not? Uh, Trump had several economic priorities. Uh, this is this. I think you could safely say this is probably his biggest priority, and it's pr- something that Republicans. I mean, it's really a core uh, policy plank of the Republican Party: uh, lower taxes and smaller government. We're not getting smaller government, um, which is why this is going to add to the national debt by a, by a considerable amount. But they do want to cut taxes. And we're hearing a lot of the old rhetoric about how if all you do is cut taxes, well, then uh, the economy will grow by more and everybody will end up better off somehow. Wages will go up. There's a lot of reason to be skeptical about that. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they have to get this done, even if it's kind of ugly. And I think one of the reasons um, that polls show um, a majority of Americans are really not really very hot about this idea is that it actually does favor um, businesses. Um the, the numbers differ between the House and the Senate legislation, but uh, on, on average, about 75 percent of the total uh, dollar value of the tax cuts would actually go to businesses and, and are not those individuals. Large corporations or small businesses. It's, as well? um, it's definitely large corporations. It gets a little trickier for small, privately owned businesses because then you're talking about this thing called the pass-through rate for people who own their own companies. That gets more complicated. Um, so for sure, when you say, uh, I mean, the number one uh, part of this proposal is lowering the corporate tax rate from 35% to 20%. Now, there are a lot of companies that don't pay 20, an actual tax rate of 20%, um, but they do spend a lot of effort trying to figure out how to wriggle out of the 35% rate. Right. So if it did come down to 20%, I mean, that is not necessarily a bad thing. There's, uh, there's, there's no reason to say, oh, that sounds terrible. Uh, that actually would put the U.S. corporate side of the tax code uh, in line with tax rates in other advanced countries. And it would, frankly, make the U.S., the United States, a more competitive place in terms of attracting businesses that get to choose what country, that where, where they set up. Uh, I think it is likely that uh, big uh, U.S. multinationals that ship a lot of their profits overseas or keep them overseas simply because tax rates are lower, I think for sure some of that money would come back to the United States. Uh, and that, might, might it come back to the United States in the form of R&D and, and plants sure. and manufacturing plants being opened and jobs being created? It might. Uh, it, some of it probably would. Uh, the big question is um, if you just lower the tax rate on big companies, basically that means um, corporate profits will go up because uh, companies will have a higher amount of after-tax revenue, which is net income. So companies will have more net income. By definition, that will that will make stocks go higher than they would otherwise go because companies are more valuable. So the real question, th- there's nothing wrong with any of that. The real question is who benefits from that. Um, and I do think that you can make a pretty strong case that the main beneficiaries of this package will be what uh, we here at Yahoo Finance call the shareholder class. Mm-hmm. Um, this is wealthy people who uh, own a lot of um, stocks and other types of assets like that. 
middle-class families do own stocks. Um, the latest polls by Gallup show that about 54% of all Americans own stocks in some form. Now, for most people, that is your 401k plan or your pension or your Roth sure. IRA, some, some kind of retirement plan. Um, so that's not money that will necessarily make you, uh, you know, give you put more money in your pocket that you can spend today. It will make pay- people feel a little bit better off. But is that going to help workers? Uh, will that actually push up um, incomes uh, for middle and working class people? That's a big unknown. And on that, the Republicans are saying, oh, yeah, we're sure it will. The numbers they're putting out are we think the typical middle class family will see its after-tax income rise by anywhere from $1,200 to $4,000 per year. Um, and you're saying those numbers don't add up? Uh <laughs> Um, it just depends on what kind of assumptions you make about how the, what the effects of these tax cuts will be on companies spending money, hiring more people. And we know for sure that money will go directly to the shareholder class. What we don't know is, you know, this gets back down to the old trickle-down question from the 1980s, how much of it then goes from the shareholder class down to ordinary working people through stronger demand for products, which in theory ought to uh, increase employment, which in theory, again, ought to push wages up because companies will have to pay workers more in order to keep them. So there are a lot of theoretical things that have to happen for ordinary people to benefit a lot from this. So you're saying that there's little evidence to support um, the fact that they want to make it a fact. I guess the Republicans are saying that these tax cuts would actually boost economic growth. You're actually saying, I guess, that they can harm growth because what they would add to the to the deficit. They would, yes. Uh, so uh, each of these different uh, pieces of tax legislation would add about 1.5 trillion dollars to the national debt over 10 years. So 150 billion dollars per year, let's say. That's a big amount. It's that's not a budget buster right off the bat. Um, but we are going to end up with a bigger national debt and bigger annual deficits. Um, if that it, it certainly is possible that that becomes a problem because uh, that uh, the more the government borrows, the more that tends to push up interest rates. Um, as interest rates go higher, that tends to reduce economic activity. And higher, if interest rates go high, on, high enough, that can even cause a recession. Now, most of the economists crunching the numbers here don't think um, that this would add enough to the national debt, that $1.5 trillion, to do something as bad as cause a recession. But most economists also think that um, promises of a big improve, big jump, a big boost in economic growth are way overblown. And at best, we might see a couple percentage points of uh, GDP growth uh, that are that would be above what we might have otherwise. So I want to talk about all of this and the effect it's going to have on the stock market, because we know that stocks rallied in anticipation of getting some real tax reform. There was talk it would happen over the summer. There was talk it would happen by the end of 2017. Um, Since we're on that topic, when do you think it's going to happen? Will it happen by Christmas? Uh, I think it probably will not happen by the end of 2017, but I don't think it matters when it happens as long as it happens within the first two months, let's say, of 2018 or even the first three months. Um, Has it been baked into current equity valuations? Well, you and I have been talking about that for almost a year here on (laughs) Yahoo Finance, along with our other analysts here. Uh, This is one of the reasons we saw the stock market rally after Donald Trump was surprisingly elected uh, in November of 2016. Uh, Very few people anticipated that, um, but we saw a pretty strong rally after the election, and we've seen a pretty strong rally throughout all of 2017. I mean, we're following it every day, right? talking about stocks keep hitting new record highs. 
Um, part of that is fundamentals, as, as we talk about all the time. Earnings growth, uh, ha- earnings have been pretty strong. The economy looks fundamentally strong. But part of that is also the expectation of job cuts. Uh, sorry, I said job cuts. I meant tax cuts. Right. Yes. <laughs> two, two very different things. Different scenario. Um, and, you know, but which by definition, as, as we just discussed, uh, generally just push corporate earn- earnings up, um, you know, in one fell swoop. So, um, you know, markets... Uh, do anticipate future activity uh, if, if it seems to be a bet, um, a trade where you can anticipate something likely to happen in the future that will push prices up. I, that probably has been a factor in the rally we've seen this year. Um, prices, stock prices might rally a little bit more as this actually seems like it's about to become reality. And of course, we know the buy the rumor, sell the news phenomenon. So once it actually happens, it could, it's possible that um, investors say, "Finally, we got there." But I, but I am not sure I see any, you know, major gains coming after this point because we all have been trading these up because we think it's going to be good for prices. They might be close to as high as they're going to get. That's a that's a guess. At this point, does it really matter? the complexity of the of the tax reform bill for Wall Street or just the fact that something will get passed in the next few months? Is that all that matters? Uh, I think both matter. Um, the uh, There is a lot of complexity in the tax code, whether you like it or not. And I think this whole idea that Republicans have been saying is we're going to vastly simplify the tax code. Um, as far as, remember, you have to always separate this between the individual side of the tax code and the business side of the tax code. Simplifying the tax code for individuals, is over, it's overhyped and it's not really necessary. Uh, these days, if you do your taxes yourself, you're probably using the 1040 Easy form. You're probably using software that has everything built in. So you basically just go through prompts and um, and fill out some questions or answer some questions, and then the software will tell you what your tax is, and it will tell you uh, whether you've paid enough or whether you owe it, uh, when uh, as of April fifteenth. You know, um, that's pretty simple, really. Uh, if you don't use software and you do it yourself with a pencil, you just look up your, these numbers in a table. It doesn't matter whether there are four. Uh, income tax brackets or seven as we currently have So you don't now. think it matters that there are fewer brackets. Actually, it's ironic, but because there are fewer brackets, won't some people actually be hurt because yeah, they'll fall right. into the higher that's bracket? Right. When you do that, uh, there are some people who actually get bumped into a higher bracket. Um, I guess it, conversely, some people would get bumped into yeah, a lower one. Both would happen. Um, and uh, again, that's why it's kind of hard to generalize about the characteristics of people who would end up paying more. Sometimes it just happens. It, it's just a matter of where, how close to the edge of the bracket you are, the upper edge, the lower edge, and would you get pushed down? Would you get pushed up? Uh, and you know, at that point, an exemption here or there, or a certain type of deduction, could make the difference there. Which is why uh, some people in every tax bracket probably would end up paying a little bit more. Um, yeah, I uh, I guess it sounds great. You know, this slogan that you, you're going to be able to do your pack to your taxes on a postcard. I mean, if you're if you're using the 1040 easy form, which means you're not itemizing deductions, you're not claiming things like mortgage interest, state and local taxes, charitable contributions. If you're just using the standard deduction, which a lot of people do, it's already relatively easy. So who, what's the difference between a two page form and a postcard? It, Ten minutes. Um, so what? Uh, the Details are a lot more important, um, and this gets to uh, things like, on the, now let's go to the business side. How do you properly tax these so-called pass-through companies, which are the majority businesses. of small businesses with, mm-hmm. let's say, fewer than 50 workers, in some cases fewer than 10 workers? Um, this gets more complicated, and um, the question is, 
um, should this should the income that the that business owners get uh, should that be taxed as investment income or should it be taxed as labor income? It's complicated. Um, should they be taxed at something similar to the corporate rate, which the Republicans want to bring down to 20 percent from 35 percent? Should be, they be taxed at uh, more like the individual income tax rates, which are higher? And the best answer any economists have given me on how do you uh, how do you uh, make this work is imperfectly. You make this work imperfectly. You do have to have a very robust and complex kind of enforcement regime that guarantees that people aren't just finding a way to claim the absolute lowest rate, uh, whether they qualify as a business owner or not. So that's that that is going to be complicated no matter what. Um, but, it, you know, it does look like those types of business owners are, at the end of the day, going to get a tax break as well. What about the Obamacare mandate? Do you think that the final iteration of this reform bill will include that? I think that's going to come out. Um, it's looking like the Senate is right on a razor's edge in terms of being, being able to pass legislation. The principal objections among a couple of senators, including Republican senators, I should say, including Bob Corker of Tennessee, he has said he will not vote for any legislation that adds a dollar to annual deficits or the national debt. And it's a guarantee that whatever this final legislation looks like, it is going to add to the national debt because that is what that is the what that is the path Republicans have chosen. That's where all the work on the legislation has gone so far. So this so is going to add no to the national from debt. Uh, it's he has been he hasn't left much wiggle room. Right. I mean, he's been rather uh, finite about that. So it's hard to see what Republicans could do to swing his vote. So they can only afford to lose one other vote um, among Republicans. They're not going to get any Democratic votes in the Senate. So uh, I think that for that reason, I think putting the, uh, the, the this uh, this part this uh, rule related to Obamacare is going to upset the same three or four senators who um, basically sank the whole effort to repeal Obamacare over the summer. They're going to have similar objections to this because it would. In general, it would make insurance more expensive for enough people in their states that I think they're going to say, I'm just not going to vote for that. So that's going to come out. I think that's going to come out. And what that means, that would have actually saved about $300 billion in federal revenue over 10 years. So about $30 billion. It's a meaningful amount. That's about 20 percent of the total they're going Meaning for. Meaning that the mandate will remain, that Trump will not nothing will change. The mandate My bet is nothing will change about the Obamacare mandate. That provision is going to come out of the tax bill and it's just going to be about taxes. And um, that can give the GOP the, the vote or two it needs to get this thing passed. Yes. And there's going to be, have to be probably a lot more horse trading uh, to satisfy a handful of senators who don't like some provision about the way small businesses are treated, for example, or something else. Uh, at the end of the day, I think the Republicans know they have to pull whatever levers necessary to get this thing to pass, uh, because if, if the Republicans with total control of Congress in the White House cannot produce tax cuts, uh, then they have no reason to exist as a party. <laughs> then they stand for nothing, because if they stand for anything, that's what they stand for. And um if and when this does get passed, um, this will be the first big win for President Trump during his administration. He will certainly characterize it that way. Um, uh, you know, I think we can expect the usual Trump hyperbole. 
you know, we just signed the biggest tax cut in American history. It is not going to be the biggest tax cut in American history. That's a fact. Um, Trump will probably call it that. And then we have to wait and see how voters react. Uh, what people, some people will see is um, most likely, some people will see that the, uh, this is assuming a bill passes and it goes into effect as of January 1st, 2018. So just a few weeks from now for the upcoming calendar year. If that happens, then the IRS will uh, adjust its withholding tables and a, a new set of withholding tables will go into effect for everybody's paycheck. So employers are required to withhold in tax, in federal taxes, uh, whatever the IRS says is the appropriate amount according to these withholding tables. Well, the withholding tables will change. And because they change, some people will see that there's actually less federal tax being taken out of their paycheck every uh, month or every two weeks, however they get paid. And that means they will their, their take-home pay will actually go up. It might not be by a lot, but it will go up. Now, that will be for some taxpayers. Um, Others may see no change, and the people who get hit with a tax cut, that doesn't mean that the amount of tax withheld from their uh, paycheck will actually go up. It probably won't, but the what will change is when they actually calculate their taxes for year 2018, which won't happen until April of 2019. Um, they will find that they can't claim all the deductions they used to, uh, so their taxable income will end up higher. And then it's a matter of where does your new taxable income, let's, let's just assume your, your, your basic income stayed the same. Um, then the question becomes, you might have a higher taxable income. This is what happened when I uh, applied this to my own 2016 tax return. And then you go look at the income tax brackets and what income levels they apply to. Um, and for some people, they could have higher taxable income, but end up paying less in taxes because you're subject to a lower tax rate. But some people could find they have a higher taxable income and they're in the same or similar tax bracket. So uh, same tax bracket, but on a higher level of income. So you're going to pay more. And some people could find that they have higher taxable income and they're in a higher tax bracket, which means That's they're going to pay more for double, sure. Double whammy. Yep. All right. Rick Newman, thanks so much. Thank you. And thanks again to all of you for listening to the Yahoo Finance podcast. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.